Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. It's so good to see you today. Okay, I want you to look around, look to your right or your left, and I want you to look at that person because that is a committed person today. It's committed. I mean, I'm going to tell you, listen, I have never been more honored in my life to stand before you because I know that there's never been a group of people that wanted to come to church more than you. I mean, you, you listen, you got, this morning when I come to church, it was 16 degrees, 16 degrees. And uh, so I just want to say thank you so much for being here. And uh, I believe that God's going to bless you for doing so. So it's just so good to see you. Matter of fact, before we leave, I want to get a selfie. All right, let's don't forget that. Today I want to talk to you about prayer can change your life. We are in this series called The Best Year of Your Life. I want you to know that I have been praying for you. I want you to know that. Rhonda and I have been asking God to give you the best. Those of you that are parents here, you understand this. You know what it's like when you begin to see your child excel, do good. Doesn't it make you feel good when you see your children do good? I want to say that's what it was like as a pastor. When you begin to see people in your church do good, it just, it just does something to you. I was, Rhonda and I was uh, out uh, after Christmas and we were... Uh, returning some of the stuff that I got her that she didn't like, but anyways. <laughs> but I got it. And I ran into one of our uh, members of our church here, and this young lady was, looked at me and she said, she was telling me about some stuff. She said, oh, and I got a one-year Bible. I'm looking forward to reading the Bible through this year. I didn't let her see me, but as she walked away, my eyes just got watery. I mean, I couldn't help it. I mean, like, I'm just like, my eyes just teared up, you know, because it was like that proud moment of yes. And so I want to teach you this year as we begin this journey together. I'm telling you, I believe this is going to be the best year. It can be the best year of your life. And, and prayer is a part of that. Now, let me just ask you, you know, I think that people treat prayer a couple ways. One, I think people treat prayer like it's sort of like a magic wand, like they just wave a wand and asking God, hocus pocus, you know, uh, abracadoo and all this kind of stuff and expecting something to happen. It doesn't work. Other ways that we sort of treat prayer is like a, maybe like an emergency tool to where like, you know, maybe like a spare tire in a car that you only use it in a case of an emergency. And then there's others way that I think that we use prayer that, that is not good and, and, and is not helpful, but that we use as a bargaining tool with God, right? I mean, like, you know, we've done something and we ask God to bail us out. 
And God, if you'll do this for me, I promise God that I won't ever miss another church service in my life. You know, uh, I'll never say another curse word. I'll never do this. I'll never, never, never. And things that we can't do. And so prayer becomes this bargain thing, and it doesn't work. And I'll tell you the one that I've struggled with, the one, and I'm gonna, this is honest. You'll probably never hear another pastor say this in your life, but this is one that sometimes I pray because I don't want to get on God's bad list. You ever felt like that? You know, okay, well, I'm supposed to pray. So well, I hadn't prayed in two days, you know, like, like I'm talking about not, not over my food, but I'm talking about like by myself in prayer. And so sometimes out of a religious duty, I begin to, to do this. And, and God never intended prayer to be a duty. He intended to be a relationship. And so, so prayer is an awesome and powerful thing. Matter of fact, I want to help you. How many of you here and here have ever wanted, you say, I would like to pray the perfect prayer. How many of you ever wanted to do that? Okay. okay. Wow. Only a few of you. Wow. That's like 40%. Let me ask you more. How many of you would like to pray the perfect prayer? Let me see your hands. All right. Good. Stand up. I'm going to let you do it. Go ahead. I hear it. Stand up. We're going to pray the perfect prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to write that you're going to pray a prayer that is perfect, okay? You ready? I mean, this is the perfect prayer. God answers the perfect prayer, and here it is. Would you pray it with me? It's on the screen. You ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Congratulations, you just prayed the perfect prayer. Amen. That's right. You may be seated. Jesus gave us that prayer. And it is the perfect prayer. And so I... I hope that if you don't know what to pray, there's a prayer for you to pray. Now, what I'd like to share with you is how that prayer can change things. And I'd like to uh, give you four things today that I think can teach us. And I'm really excited because I think today is going to be one of those, I think it's going to be one of those moments that changes everything. I really do. Let me go and give you the first one. You ready? Prayer is an act of dependence on God. Would you write that down? Prayer is an act of dependence on God. We're going to go through John 15, and Jesus, this is one of the last things that he taught us before he left the earth, and he's talking to his disciples and trying to get the message to us as well. It's amazing, you know, before the disciples, Jesus left the earth, the disciples didn't say, Lord, teach us to do miracles. They didn't say, teach us to do, teach us to be preachers. They said, teach us to pray i got a lot of stuff I want to share with you about this. I'll, I'll save some of that for the weeks ahead. But in this, uh, prayer is dependent. When you pray, do you realize that when you pray, you're saying, God, I depend on you? Do you realize that? That prayer is saying, okay, there's something bigger than me. You know, why would you pray about something you can take care of yourself? I mean, like, you know, I don't know about you, but when I stop at the gas pump, I don't say, well, God, will you pump my gas in my tank? No, I get out and I slide my card and I fill my tank. I don't pray about that. Now I might pray, God, give me safety while I get out and pump gas in my car. Hello? See, because I can't do that, right? 
And so what, you see what I'm talking about? So prayer is a dependence on God. Look what the Bible says. And Jesus actually says this in John 5 and 7. It says this. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remain in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, okay, here we go. These next four words, let's shout them out. You ready? Ask whatever you... Why don't you just... You might want to circle that right there, right? I didn't... Jesus said that. Jesus said, ask whatever you wish. He challenges you. He challenges me. And then he goes on to say, and it will be what? Given you. Do you believe that? It says, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Now, if you really believe that, it would change the way you ask, wouldn't it? Ask. Ask, and you will believe. Okay, I want to show you something. I have an illustration here. I have a kite right here. I don't know if, you, if, if we're friends on Facebook, you saw me trying to do this. And if we're not friends on Facebook, I'd like to be your friend. Unless you're posting stuff on there, you don't want your pastor to see. So if you don't, if you don't invite me to your friend, I'm just going to assume that. Okay, no. Me and Mr. Iron Man here tried to fly this week. And I got out here and trying to do sermon prep, and I was running up and down the parking lot trying to get this thing to fly. Have you ever tried to fly a kite when there was no wind? You ever done that? Like maybe, maybe you, you was a kid or you doing it for your kids. When I experienced again, I, even though now that I'm uh, 48 years old, I can tell you that things have not changed in, you know, 30 years. And that is that, you know, I can fly this kite with no wind. I can do it. I have proved, I believe I can fly. <laughs> Me and I, I did it. And what I did was I held this cord right here, and I just ran. As I ran, that kite, this kite flew. I mean, it, it, went, it didn't go very high, but it was flying. And as long as I was running, it would fly. Many of us are living our lives that way. We're trying to make too many things happen. Let me just explain this to you. It takes wind for this kite to fly. You agree with that? Okay. Have you ever saw the wind? Just think of it. Now, you see the effects of it. Like, you know, you can see that. See the, that tail that kite? It's flying because that's the effects of the wind. But you can't see it. You just see what's happening, right? The wind is invisible. You can't see it. God causes the wind. You agree with that? He causes the wind. And so God causes the wind. See, I can provide the kite and I can provide the string, but I can't provide the wind. And so many times in my life, instead of asking God for things, instead of counting on him to provide the wind, guess what? I just start running with whatever I need and trying to make it happen. And guess what? I run until I can't run no more. And then I get tired and then I get discouraged and I get depressed and, and everything just seems to collapse. What I'm inviting you to do today is to ask God for the wind in your life. 
What prayer request do you need answered? What, what, is it in, what is it in your life right now that you can't do anything about? You need a little wind to blow in that area, right? You need a little wind to blow. And when you do, you begin to pray and ask God, and God begins to do what you cannot do. And guess what? All of a sudden, you begin to fly because you get over that problem, that circumstance has changed. It all changes when you pray. That's why Jesus said, ask whatever you will. He challenges you to pray. So today, we begin this journey together. We're going to learn how to fly God's way. Amen? It's going to be good. I'm so excited about what's coming. I can't hardly wait. So, let me say this. When I pray, when I pray, I invite God to blow his wind, to let the wind happen, to change the situation that I can't change. Because when I, change, when I try to change a situation I can't change, I get tired and stressed out and worried. Remember Jesus said in the Bible, Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, you will never have rest until you let God, you begin to pray and let God do the things that you can't do. Matter of fact, what causes the most stress in your life is trying to do things that only God can do. And when you let him do it, you pray instead of trying so hard, then you have rest. Okay, number two, let's write this down. Prayer is an act of communication with God. Would you write that down? I want to tell you something. I want to, you want a good year this year. If you'll fix this one issue in your life right here, then you will have a better year, the best year of your life. The majority of problems that we have with people is a communication problem. The majority of problems that we have with people is communication. In other words, you're thinking that they're thinking, and, and they're not thinking what you're thinking, but nobody's had the conversation, and nobody knows, and then people are mad. Greatest conflict in marriages is because of communication issues. I can tell you, after having them many years myself and helping other people through them, I can tell you it's communication. I can tell you the greatest issue between parent and child is communication issue. You know, you listen, teenagers, your mom and dad, they want you to have freedom, but you've got to tell them where you're going. Hello? Well, if you would have told them where you were going, you wouldn't be grounded right now. Whew, hallelujah. Oh, did he say that? Yes, he did. But it was a communication issue, right? If you just would have said it, then you wouldn't be in trouble. So it's communication. At work, I can tell you, it's a communication issue. So I'm telling you, so if we're going to have this, if God's, we're going to make this connection with God, I can tell you, the majority of our problem that, with God is that we have a communication issue. We have to work out the communication issue in our life. Now, this communication issue has been around a problem a long time. Matter of fact, we almost went to war. In the 1960s, uh, many of you may have read about this. Some of you lived to experience this called the Cuban Missile Crisis, where President Kennedy and then the president of Russia at that time were about to declare war because of the missiles that were being placed in Cuba pointed our direction. And the whole issue, when it was all said and done, was over a lack of communication. So you know what they did? 
They decided that we will never have this problem again. And so they went on the president's desk of the United States and on the president's desk of Russia. There was a line that was there that nobody could tap into. And it was called the hotline. And there was a red phone right there on each other's desk. So they would make sure they'd never have that problem of communication again. And so I want to tell you today that when, listen, when there's no communication, there's war. Whether it be at home, on your job, with your children, with your parents, when there's no communication, and let me just tell you something, when there's no communication with God, there's war. You say, well, I don't want to call war with God, but really you are. You're saying, okay, God, I ain't got time for you right now. I've got to go on. And when you don't communicate with God, you don't have peace with God. And so I want to share that with you. Look what the Bible says again in John Jesus says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant knows his master's business, doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? I called you friends. Jesus said that. He said, I've called you friends. He had it written in the Bible for you to hear that. I've called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Now, watch this next part. Would you read this out loud with me? This underline, you ready? You did not choose me, but I chose. Now, let me just tell you something. That speaks to me. First of all, you got to know who you're communicating with. And Jesus said, you're not communicating to a tyrant. You're communicating to a friend. I am your friend. He said, I've chose you. You haven't chosen me. Remember maybe in, in elementary school, some of you may be there now or in middle school, how that at gym class, sometimes you would choose up teams, whether it be basketball, soccer, uh, flag football, but you would choose up teams. Everybody remember that? You know, you choose up teams. And then they would pick two people and say, okay, now you choose the people you want on your team. I don't know about you, but I always wanted to be chosen pretty fast, right? Right? I mean, like, you know, because when they choose you, like, number one, they say, okay, I'll take Jeff. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. That's right. You know I'm good. But I can tell you this. Many times, I was that person on the end. You know, and there's two people left. You know what I'm saying? At that point, when they're choosing teams, they're not choosing anymore. they got to take one of you. I mean, it's, four, it's a forced choice, right? It's like, okay, yeah, well, all right, we're st- all right, we'll just take you then. And sometimes we feel that's the way God is with us. Okay, okay well, I'll just take you. All right, you're left over, so I'll take you. I've got to have you, all right? God did, Jesus said, I want you to know that I am your friend. You didn't choose me. I have chosen you. I'm here to tell you, you've already been chosen by God. He's, Jesus said, I've already chosen you to be my friend. That means that when you call, when you pray, I'm going to answer. Listen, I have my cell phone in my pocket right now. I can tell you, there's sometimes there's names that come up on my cell phone. I go, shoot, I ain't answering that. Heck no, I ain't. Not now. And Rhonda calls back. <laughs> don't you tell her I said, don't you. Listen, don't you tell her I said that. That's between me and you. (laughs) Oh, dear God, I might need somewhere to sleep tonight. But don't you, I mean, don't you do that seriously. I mean, seriously, sometimes someone's name comes up on your phone. "Uh -uh." 
My kids' number come up on my phone. When their name comes, they're older now. They don't call all the time now. So when they call, I'm taking their call. And if I can't write then, I'm going I'm to do everything I can to step out of whatever I'm in to take their call. Because they're important to me. They know they're important. When you pray, you made a phone call. Your heavenly father is up there right now. You're his children. And when your name comes up on his caller ID on the great cloud of glory, when it comes up, God doesn't go, I can't take that right now. No, no, no. Jesus stopped it. Oh, wait a minute. This is my friend. He's calling and, and she's calling and it's important. And he takes your request right there. It's noted. You say, well, why come it ain't happened yet? Because there's a timing issue. You hang on. But God takes notice of that. He calls his friend. Matter of fact, I would tell you that friendships are important. And that's why we have connect groups, by the way. And then we're starting to sign up for that. I would encourage you to take, check that out. But let me just say this before I move on to the next point. Remember what we're talking about here? We're talking about finding how to get the wind to help us fly because we're tired of trying to do it all ourselves and God wants you to call on him maybe you can say maybe you today you say Jeff I'm not a friend of God you say how, how do you know that if you're not a Christ follower if you not ask Jesus to come to your life and then you begin to follow him then my friend you're not friends with God and he's already chosen you but he's waiting on you to choose him and the way you do that there's a prayer inside of our program that will help you do that Prayer to become a Christ follower. I challenge you to read that prayer. I challenge you to make it real in your life and ask God to come into your life. You do that. Just the only thing we ask you to do is check it on the back of this connection card so that we can pray with you. Okay, number three. Would you write this down? Prayer is an act of asking God. Asking God. This is so good. Look what Jesus said. Again, he's teaching us in John 15. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you what? Whatever you ask for in my name. Why, why did he say that? He said, I'm going to give you, the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. He put that little tag on in my name. Well, we first know that, you know, when we come to, and to God in the name of Jesus, that means that we come in his authority. But there's another reason. When we come in the name of Jesus, it purifies our motives, right? Purifies our motives. Matter of fact, uh, there's times that people do things that, that I don't appreciate. And sometimes I pray, with them, pray for them in the wrong manner. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe, you know, maybe you have something break out on your face. I'm talking about like a, a ginormous zit out of nowhere. Like, you know, I'm talking about like you think, you know, you're, you've passed puberty already and here you are, 45 years old, and a zit comes up about this big. Ladies, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to grab the makeup and you're going to try to cover it all up, aren't you? That's good, but you know they still know it. Guys, we're just going to walk around and we're going like, to act like it's not there. And then we're going to run into a jerk. 
who's going to make sure that we're in a room of, a room of people like this and they're going to say, hey, man, I thought you passed puberty. Are you going through puberty again? What's that on your face? You've got a huge zit. And they just point that out right there in front of everybody. It embarrasses you to death. You know what I'm talking about? It makes you mad. So when I prayed for them that night, after that's happened, my prayer could look like this. God, I ask you to just let every, Lord, let Fred, let his bottom of his feet be filled with zits to the top of his head in the name of I can pray that prayer until I get to the name of Jesus. Then all of a sudden when I say, in the name, in the name of, well, Jesus, you really wouldn't want me to say that, so i got to change my prayer. See, when you say in the name of Jesus, it changes your motives. But Jesus said you have to ask. You have to ask. God, there's some, many prayers, God will not, God, does God know what you need? Yes. But he's not going to give you what you need until you ask. Like my kids at Christmas, you know, I like to get them a surprise. And so many times I get them stuff and I spend a lot of money and they open it up and go, what's this? You know, and they've gotten old enough now to give me that little polite, thank you. And I know they didn't like it. And I spend a lot of them, I'm like, you know what? Well, I don't know what to get you. Well, I found, my kids have found out now, they tell dad. Like this, this year, you know, Caitlin said, you know what? One of the things I like to have is a massage. I'm like, what? For Christmas, a massage. These are no good. No, 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 Dad. I want you to go to Massage Envy and get me a gift certificate. Well, because she said that. Because she said, this is what I want. Guess what? I wanted to give her what she wanted for Christmas. So I found myself trotting into Massage Envy. Never been there in my life. Never been to a massage place in my life. I walked in and I said, this is what I want. And you know what? Man, the aroma was so good. Those people were so nice. And, you know, the way they touch your hands there, like, thank you. It's just like shaking. That's, you, ever, you ever done a massage, shake your hand? They go, how you doing? I'm like, I'm doing good. <laughs> and I said, I, if, I hope this gift, I hope she don't use this gift because I'm going to get it. I'm coming back. She said, I want to, she asked specifically for what she wanted and she got it. And many of you, God is saying, ask for what you want. I heard of a guy who went to heaven he went to heaven, he, he went in, he saw all these like sacks of stuff, treasures like happy marriages, you know, good jobs, financial blessings, all these things that, that people want. Seeing them stored up and it was in bags and they all had labels on them. He said, Jesus, what is that? And Jesus said, they're all the same thing. Just go over, the label has all the same thing on it. And the guy went over and looked at the label. And you know what the label said? Never ask for what is it that you need that you're not asking for? Look what the Bible says in James, James 4 and 2. He says, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet because you cannot have what you want. Now look at this next four words. Let's read them out loud. You ready? Come on. You quarrel and fight. Wow, you quarrel and fight. You know why? Because you don't have. He says, you do not have because why? Let me tell you something. In order for you to fly, you're going to do one, a couple of things. 
You're either going to put more pressure on yourself and you're going to try to run faster and make yourself do something, or you're going to put more pressure on people to try to get them to help you fly. Here's the problem with that. Here's the, here it is. Some of you are mad at other people right now because they have not done what you thought they would do in your life and they haven't helped you fly. Some of you are mad at yourself right now because you feel like you have let yourself down. You feel like you should be further along in life than you are. You feel like you should be in a different situation in life and you're mad at yourself. Why? Because you've been trying to do what you need to ask God to do. Did you hear that? You see, when you begin to ask other people to do what only God can do, and you begin to ask yourself to do what only God can do, then you're going to be very disappointed. And when you're disappointed, you get mad. And many of you are mad right now at yourself. And you wonder, why am I... And you're mad at everybody else because you're angry at yourself. Because you've been trying to do what only God can do. You have to pray and ask God to help you with that situation. So here's the bottom line, is that we have to lower our expectations of people and raise our expectations of God. C.H. Spurgeon, which was a great preacher in London, said this, God never shuts the storehouse until you shut your mouth in prayer. In other words, the window of heaven is open to you as long as you ask, what is it in your life right now that you need? What's your greatest need? What do you, you, you need stress? You need a better marriage? You, you need a, a problem with your parents, a problem with your kids to be resolved on your job? What do you need? Ask God. Ask God. Ask God. On the screen, I put this here because this is so true. Would you read this with me? You ready? A prayer-filled mind is a peace-filled life. Man, if you get that, matter of fact, why don't you just take a picture of that screen and post it on Facebook and help the world? Because that's it. A prayer-filled mind equals a peace-filled life. Don't you want a peace-filled life? How do you have it? You have a prayer-filled mind. You're asking God. Asking God. And that brings peace to your life. Okay. Number four, would you write this down? Prayer is an act of hope in God. Hope in God. Now notice I have that H period, O period, P period, E period. When I say prayer is an act of hope in God, this is what, what does hope stand for? You ready? Come on, get your pens ready. I want you to write this down. H stands for home. O of, O-F, P is prayer, E is every day. How do you spell hope? Home of prayer every day. Home of prayer every day. The Bible is very clear that that we had, this is what happened. Matter of fact, there's a statement coming up. Let's read it together. Some of, it's, a, it's been a bumper sticker, so maybe you've heard it. You ready? Come on, let's say it. You ready? The family that prays together. Do you believe that? But we don't have time, do we? Look what the Bible says in Psalms 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builder labors in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stands guard in vain. 
Did you hear that? Unless the Lord builds a house, it ain't going to work. Unless the Lord builds a city, it it ain't going to work. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been troubled this week. I've been watching the new, you know, the last thing that Rhonda and I do. When you get old, by the way, guys, when you get older, some of you younger people, when you get old, this is how you know you get old, because the last thing you do is wait for the weather. I don't, it's crazy. I don't, my dad did that so stupid, and now I'm doing it. So I turned the 10 o'clock news on. The weather comes on about 1025, 1030. But while I'm waiting on the weather, and I could go to my smartphone and pull it up, but I just got to hear him say it. I don't know. While waiting on that, I've been watching the news, and as I, as I have, I've noticed something that's happened. There is, a, there is a crazy thing that's happening with our young people. There are being crimes that are being committed by, by teenagers that are under the age of 16, children under the age of 16. Matter of fact, I was watching this mother was weeping because her daughter was sitting in a park in Clayton County with her friends listening to music. And three guys under the age of 16 come up to rob them. Her phone goes off and she just looks at it because it goes off and he shoots her, kills her. She begins to cry. She begins to say, we have to do something. And then there's another mother that was interviewed and another mother, another father that was interviewed. Their children who were children like ours that were good students had their whole life ahead of them is cut short because we have this crime going on. What do we do now? What do we do now? You can't go to the gas station and pump your gas without someone sliding in your car and stealing it, right? That's the big thing. What are we going to do? The, the question is now, what are we going to do? And we're looking at the government and saying, okay, Mayor, what can we do? City councilman, what can we do? And you know what their answer is? We don't know. You can't make laws to fix this. We look to police officers and say, what can we do? What are we going to do? And guess what? We look at them, and they can't be everywhere, can they? So I'll tell you what we're going to do is that we've decided at SEC we're going to do something about it. And that is that we're going to pray about it. We're going to begin to pray for our city, our community, but it's going to start in our home. And what I'm going to ask you to do as we go through this journey to have the best year of your life, I'm going to ask you to circle the wagons in your home. I'm asking you to join hands with your family every day, whether it be morning or night, you choose. And I'm asking you to pray with your family because until our children get it, that listen, God is a source of provider. No matter what kind of pressure you're under, you don't do that stuff because God is the one that we look to until they get it, then they can't pass it on to their friends, and they can't pass it on to their friends. I'm telling you, when we have a revival in our homes, and it spreads to our schools, and then it'll spread to our community, then this community will change. I'm telling you, the answer's not another law. The answer's not more law enforcement. The answer is prayer. Amen? Prayer, when you pray, when you pray. And listen, we can't sit there and watch the news and say, well, I'm sorry for them. That could have been you or your child. So we can't sit back. We have to learn to pray and ask God, right? So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to make a commitment today that you will, over the next 21 days, because we're starting our prayer and fasting tomorrow, I'm asking you, to gather with your family and circle up 
and pray. You say, well, it's just me and my wife. That's all right. Ask her to pray with you. You say, Pastor Jeff, I don't know what to pray. I taught you the perfect prayer before we started. The Lord's Prayer. I'm asking you circle up and you pray the Lord's Prayer together. Look it up and pray it. Will you check that on the back of your connection card that you will join me and that you will do that? So teenagers, listen, when your parents ask you to come and pray before we go to bed or in the morning before you leave, don't you give them that, oh, you weird. <laughs> don't you do that to them. Because when you say they're weird, you say, no, we're not weird. We've got a weird pastor. I'm weird enough to believe that God will change when we begin to pray. Are you weird enough to believe that? God will change what we cannot change. So we said no more. And what I'd like to do at this moment is I'd like to invite you on the journey with me. 21 days. You should, if you didn't get a journal last week, get one before you leave. They're handing them out the doors. This is written not by me, by pastors. It's written by people in our church that are volunteers. And we want you to go on the journey with this next 21 days and watch what God... We want you to ask God for big things. And when he gives them to you, he wants you to tell us about them. Let's stand now. We want to have a time of worship together. So I want to invite you right now to begin to just let your mind go and begin to focus on God just for a few moments before we go. And let's surrender to him. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.